If you don't know who I am, my name is Jeff. Uh, I'm married to Caroline, and we head up the site in Marley Hill, so it's a privilege to be here. I do get here quite often for worship, but I don't get here very often to speak, and I really haven't got a clue what to do when I'm not holding a guitar. Um, I don't know what to do with my hands, so I'll probably do loads of like weird things and, uh, and stuff like that to try and cope. So, um, this morning I'm talking a little bit about creation, um, and from my very, very earliest memories as a child, I've absolutely loved being outside. I don't know if you find being outside a really good thing, but for me, from being a child, it was just the most um, amazing thing. I don't know whether it's because I come from farming blood on my mum's side, or my dad was a landscape gardener, um, who knows, but whether it was kicking the autumn leaves on the way home from nursery in my waterproof onesie and my uh, ladybird wellies, or experiencing the smell of freshly cut grass for the first time, which I just still love today, or going on scout camps in Beamish Woods, or exploring Northumberland with my dad, or making Star Wars hot scenes in the ice and snow outside uh, the back garden, or just simply paddling through the river in my underpants, which you might see a picture of there. Sorry about that. Um, Cracking hair, though. I've always, I've just always felt inspired, alive, joyful, peaceful, and spiritually connected in the outside, in the outdoors. Um, and even when we sang my favourite song in school assembly, "Autumn Leaves," does anyone know that one? I won't sing it. Autumn leaves when the grass is jewelled and the silk inside the chestnut tree. Jet planes meeting in the air to be refueled. All the things I love so well. Remember it, anyone? Yeah, I must forget. Great song. Even when we sang that song in assembly, I, something in me just used to like, my senses used to prick up because I could just imagine and smell and sort of experience all of the things that it was talking about in that song. And I think, even though I didn't quite know it when I was younger, and I wasn't aware of it until later in life, this time and this space and this connection with um, nature and the outdoors at a young age began to be one of the key factors in my life in developing and shaping my relationship with Jesus as I got older. And it remains so to this very day. It's probably the reason why I pursued a career as a landscape architect and a landscaper in my teens and 20s because I just wanted to be wrapped in nature and creativity. I just wanted to be involved in it in some way if I could. So this morning, as we continue our series on worship, we are looking at the relationship between creation and worship. And I volunteered to do this one because I thought I would have a lot to say, but I've actually really struggled <laughs> this week. Um, but I've really felt like God wanted me to talk about this in two separate halves. So I'm going to start off just by talking about um, worshiping the Creator worship from the creator and then secondly I want us to think about creativity and becoming creative in our worship with God so what is the connection between worship and creation and how can this help us in our own lives let's start by reading this because the Psalms are absolutely full um, of songs and words about creation Psalm 148 it's quite a long one praise the Lord praise the Lord from the heavens Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. 
Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all the nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women and old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up his people a home. The praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. And I'm constantly blown away when I read this stuff, and I'm constantly blown away by creation. When I stop and think about it, only this week I was, um, I found myself daydreaming when I was running a bath for my daughter Anna, and this is just where I go sometimes in my head, and I was just sort of transfixed in the tap and the water running out of it, and I started to think, how amazing is water? How amazing that it's this thing that can be hot and cold and, um, and solid and gas and liquid and does all these things and we drink it and we can swim it. Anyway, I, I went there and I was just, that's sometimes where I do go with these things. And um, I was just, I just find myself blown away by just how amazing these things are that we have and we take for granted all of the time. And there's lots of things that are, I've heard over the years that I just find amazing. I'm just going to share a couple of these. The God who made the earth, the earth is around about 70% water and um, and God created the world and then God created the, the human brain and the human heart and they are also about 70% water. I find that really interesting. I don't know about you. And obviously without water we would die and without water the world would perish. Um, and then at the very beginning, I love the fact that God breathed life into our lungs, having already created the trees and plants that would create the oxygen needed to sustain us and keep us alive. That's before we were even created. God had created those trees in mind, knowing that we would need those trees and those things to keep us alive. And then during my training as a landscape architect, I was amazed to discover that there are around 391,000 different plant species on the earth, all with different properties colors, shapes, textures, and size, all designed with a unique and different purpose. And as a bit of a plant geek, I'm just going to pop a picture up. I love how the horse chestnut tree has a pattern of a horseshoe on its buds. Anybody ever noticed that before? There's a fact for you. So it's got a picture. It's got a little shape of a horseshoe on it. I just find that really, really fascinating, really lovely to look at. So have a look next time you're picking your conkers. Have a look at the buds on the trees. And also, I just love the fact that our bodies are designed with this amazing sense of taste and smell because God created so many delightful things for us to taste, smell, and experience on this earth. A couple of bad ones as well, a couple of bad smells and things around, but generally, God created some amazing things for us to experience. So isn't it any wonder that right through the book of Psalms, the psalmist declares and celebrates God's amazing creation? So amazing in its words that it even describes how creation itself worships and praises God. 
not forgetting Psalm 139 that talks about creating us and knowing us before we were even born. I found out recently when reading a, um, a little Louis Giglio devotional with my daughter, if anyone's got that for kids, it's really, really good. It's all about creation and, um, and creative things, and Anna loves it. And I discovered, reading it a couple of weeks ago, that in recent years, scientists have discovered by studying the stars and pointing powerful radio telescopes at them, that some of them actually sing. Some of them actually sing. Just like those words in Psalm 148. And one star in particular, the Vela Pulsar, about a thousand light years away, formed by exploding into a supernova as it was dying, and then it collapsed back into itself with such force that it now rotates 11 times per second on its axis and shoots out a radio frequency in the form of an audible, rhythmic, drum-like beat that can be heard when you listen to it through one of those amazing microphones. I just find that fascinating. Psalm 98, verses 4 to 9 says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, and with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing for joy. One of the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks is just the fact that we were born to worship. By looking at this series, we just know that we were born to worship. And if the trees and the rivers and the mountains and the stars should worship, worship the Creator, how much more should we? How much more should we? All of our praise and adoration and honor and worship should belong to the Creator. He has breathed life into our lungs, and with that very breath, we are to worship Him. It's really as simple as that. Psalm 150, verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And just a little quote that um, Louis Giglio says, it's worship is when we give God his breath back. I love that. Worship is when we give God his breath back. He breathes life into us, and we, with our worship, give him his breath back. And I wonder for you, what song does creation sing to you when you're out and about? that you can sing back to the Creator to thank Him for His wonderful creation? What things prick up your, uh, your senses? What are you inspired by that you just want to sing back to your Father who is the Creator? And for me, nature and creation is just like a painting, the painting of God, the canvas and the inspiration that we can delight in Him. The creation that leads us to worship the Creator. Just imagine for a minute if some of the great artists and painters and architects and musicians of our time had created nothing. Just imagine if they'd created nothing. How would we know who they were or how great they were? How would we be in adoration of their work if there was nothing to see or hear? God's creation on this earth in all of its beauty and splendor 
is a way to point us towards him and stir us into adoration and praise. He is the great architect, the artist and the builder, and we are simply to worship him. And just like I said before, nature is covered in his fingerprints and it shows us so much about who God is and what the Christian life is like. It's been highlighted recently that the very cell called uh, laminin, found in plants, animals, and humans, the very glue that holds us together, has a cross-shaped pattern in the middle of it. And when we begin to study his creation, plants, animals, and humans, we see evidence of healing, restoration, power, survival, and new life. We experience seasons, just like we do, fast flowing, slowing down, beginning again, changing colors, joy, hope, and renewal. Creation is the amazing display of God's glory to us. I'm just going to share a few pics from a holiday that we had. Um, we were very blessed to get away in lockdown last year before France shut its borders. Um, and we just decided to stay because we're in such a nice place instead of coming home to just stay in the house with the kids for 14 days. So um, we took the risk and really enjoyed it. This is a place called Annecy um, in the south of France, and it's on the, the Swiss border. And we were just in this beautiful place of, uh, of mountains and trees and fields, and the air was so amazing. It was just so beautiful. And I just could not be inspired enough by the stuff that was going on around us, by the beauty of the mountains and the, the, the hills and the trees and the animals. That was where I did my washing up from. I mean, what a place to wash up from. Absolutely fantastic, not find a better sink than that. And it was just such an amazing place for me to get up every morning and see that beauty and just be reminded of God the creator and how much he has just put out there for us to um, to see, to benefit from, and just to see his glory. This is a little quote from a guy called John Piper, who's a theologian. Worship is what we were created for. This is the final end of all existence, the worship of God. God created the universe so that it would display the worth of his glory and he created us so that, we, so that we would see this glory and reflect it by knowing and loving it with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And the church needs to build a common vision of what worship is and what it is gathering to do on a Sunday morning and scattering to do on a Monday morning. great when we're doing that next Sunday, isn't it? Scattering and getting out there, and I'm really looking forward to that. What we find sadly is that instead of obeying him, serving, praising, and worshiping him for what he has done for us, many people do what is written in Romans 1 verse 25, which says this, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. The creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And I think we've all done this ourselves to a greater or lesser extent at some point in our lives. We can admire or worship all kinds of created things like intelligence, beauty, influence, wealth, 
accomplishments, talent, instead of honoring and worshiping God himself. Some people even worship nature itself to find some sort of spiritual connection. But that isn't what we're called to do. Focusing on the created rather than the creator, we can become prone to things like idolizing people, family, or objects. We can find ourselves in jealousy, uh, sexual immorality, covetousness, pride, unthankfulness. Distraction is a massive one these days. And just being simply bound by what people think of us rather than who he made us to be. So if we are to see higher than all these created things to the creator of all things, we will see that the only value and meaning in these created things are the parts that can be used for his glory. We need to use these things for his glory. C.S. Lewis said this, to love you as I should, I must worship God as creator. When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. In so far as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When the first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. When we fix our eyes on the creator rather than the created, only then will we make the shift from seeing things as idols, but instead turning them into a blessing from God to be used for his glory. One of the inspirations behind this series of talks is a book that I've been reading called The Reset by Jeremy Riddle, and it's just looking at the heart of worship through the, the lens of how the church has um, the church has just morphed into different streams of worship over the years, some good, some not so good. And this is just a little quote from this book that I really liked and I picked out. Worship is just a simple act of adoring Jesus. It doesn't need an acoustic guitar. It doesn't need lights. It doesn't need a platform. It doesn't need a stage. It doesn't need any of those things. It simply needs a people that have their hearts set on adoring him. That's all that it needs. And this simple act of adoring Jesus is like this incredibly simplistic key, but it opens massive doors. It opens massive doors. And we can be really guilty of making worship so complicated, so structured and so produced that we forget how to worship God just simply for who he is. Being reminded of God when we see him as our creator is the simplest and easiest way to begin to bring our worship and adoration to him. And maybe this morning you, maybe you just want to begin to think what steps can you be taking to re-engage with the creator God? What steps in your own life could you be taking to engage with the creator God? And over the years, especially during my time working for an environmental charity, I've been really fascinated and interested in the link between nature and the benefit to us as God's creation. And there are some really interesting stats, Dave, um, that um, I don't normally do stats, but there's some really interesting stats about improvement in physical and mental health from being outdoors. 
Um, spending time in nature has been found to help with improving mental health problems, including anxiety and depression, by up to 20%. Just by people simply stepping into um, a woodland or a walk or something like that, people have expressed an improvement in their well-being. And there are little surveys and things that people do to, to demonstrate that. Being outside in natural light can also be so helpful if you experience some, um, a seasonal affective disorder like SAD, a type of depression that affects people at different seasons of the year. And research has also highlighted that being around water has a psychologically restorative effect. Spending time in and around aquatic environments, that doesn't mean you get in your fish tank, has constantly been shown to lead to significantly higher benefits in inducing positive mood and reducing negative mood and stress than ordinary green space does. Isn't it strange that God the healer and restorer created nature, light and water, and that our bodies benefit from spending time in them? Maybe not. And this is what many of the green expert, uh, many of the experts around this field recommend for a healthy body and mind. And I just put in brackets afterwards where I sort of made the link between our relationship with God and church as well. Time and green spaces, creation. Interacting with wildlife, creation. Silence and solitude, prayer and meditating on the, on the word. Exercise and staying active, creation. Connecting with others. This is what they say is a really important one, connecting with others. And we do that in church and in community. Being a part of something bigger is the other one of yet. They don't say what that is, but to me, that just points towards God's kingdom. Being a part of something bigger is really, really good for us. And when you look at life through the creator's lens and understand that we are part of his creation, just as the trees and the birds in the sky are, then this just makes total sense. Creation can be God's medicine to us, as we so often make the wrong choices when it comes to our physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. What can I say? God has given all of this to us. So let's go out and be blessed by it so that we can, in turn, bless him. I also want to make a quick point that part of our act of worship is to look after and be good custodians of God's creation. I think that is really, really important. We wouldn't intentionally hurt or harm something or someone that we love, and it's important that as Christians we take responsibility to look after God's creation in whatever way we can. Aliens. I truly believe that getting out and about is an important part of our relationship with God. And if you're not doing it, or you're not doing it enough, can I encourage you to try and do it just that little bit more and make it intentional. Go with your senses switched on and keep your distractions to a minimum. Breathe in, look up, listen, smell, slow down, be inspired and use this as an act of worship to our amazing God. I've been known um, just to, to write the basis of a song or a melody literally just by stepping into my local woods. The moment I've stepped in to the woods, literally just gone through the style off the street, I've just had melodies and songs in my head just because I've allowed myself that space, that intentional space, and leaving the business behind just to be with God. And what better place is there to worship Jesus than in his own back garden? What 
better place is there to be able to step off the treadmill and spend time with your Heavenly Father? I'm one of those really, really sad dads who, on a family walk, and we're in the middle of somewhere, I will literally stop the whole family and go, stop, listen to that, everyone be quiet. It's really hard on my family to get everyone to be quiet. And I'm like, right, look up, listen. What can you hear? Oh, go, dad. It's like that sort of thing. But I just, I just love um, nothing better than connecting with God by hearing the worship song of the birds amongst the swaying of the trees and the gentle trickle of the stream. I just love it. And I'm trying to get my kids to love that too. And, and they might think I'm weird, but anyway. Eugene Peterson says this. Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. We need to get into the habit of using creation as a tool for interrupting our own preoccupations and simply focusing on the presence of our creator God and worshipping and praising him for who he is. I just want to end my talk with just talking a little bit about creativity. Because I really believe strongly that it flows out of knowing and worshipping a creator God. And it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. So I'm going to take you back to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. A few years ago, back in 2017, a few of us from um, Life Vineyard Church, we went to the National Vineyard Worship Retreat, which was somewhere in, near Birmingham, um, the word retreat isn't really a, a word that should be attached to it because if you throw loads of creatives into a building for a weekend and you have to share a room with Tom White, then it's not really a retreat. But it's a really good experience anyway. Anyway, we heard a really, really powerful talk from a guy called Adam Russell. He is um, involved in vineyard worship in America and is a pastor in uh, Campbellsville in the USA. And for us, it was really the spark that inspired us to um, just have that desire to write our own songs for the church and pursue more creativity. And it was a really special time. And there were a few things that stood out from a talk that he gave on the Saturday morning, and I just wanted to share them along with a few of my own thoughts just as we bring it to an end. Um, thinking about those early verses from Genesis, God created. God created. It's as simple as that. So we serve a creative God. Everyone breathing alive today is made in the image of God. So therefore, God, who we are made in the image of, has given everyone some sort of creative capacity and a creative expression in many different forms. Amen? Amen. Then, the line, be fruitful and increase in number. Adam Russell challenged us to consider that being fruitful is perhaps not just referring to having babies, and maybe more about a general leveling of being creators 
of new things, being creators of new things. He encouraged us to believe that all people are creative, even if it's not a natural, visible creative skill. However, we live in a very consumer-orientated society, so it's a lot easier for us to be content with being consumers and watching on when that's not who God designed us to be. He wants us to be producers and not just consumers. He wants us to be producers, not just consumers. Exodus 35, 35 says this, he has filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiders in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Creativity is a culture for the church to embrace, not a program. A culture is different. It has conditions that are suitable for growth. So we need to make room for creativity in our churches and in our own lives if we are to be creative. Creativity doesn't just happen. It needs the right soil to grow in and to be inspired. We all need to pursue our own creativity. We need to be producers and creators, and within that, be able to express the rule and reign of God through our creative worship to him, whatever that looks like to each individual. The blessed life is the fruitful, producing kind, not just being serial consumers. And it's so easy in our world to be a serial consumer. As creatives, and that's everyone in this room and at home, as creatives, we must make a commitment to being producers for God and work out where we can play our part in this culture. Adam Russell said this in part of his talk, if you are going to live from your God-ordained image, you need to move away from being a consumer and ask, how can I be the person who is bringing forward the kingdom life of God into this earth? And then we notice in verse 28 of that passage from Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. God didn't actually tell them how to do it. There's nothing there that says, this is how you go and be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve just sort of got on with it, so to speak. They were led by a desire to create. And sometimes for us, there's just something inside of us creatively that we just need to get out. And Adam Russell referenced how most often in the church we are taught not to trust our desires and even mistrust them. But we need to learn to be led by desire, not the lustful, selfish type, rather the type that unleashes something for the glory of God. I started singing when I was really, really young in a choir with a Awful blue robe and a curtain tie for a thing. Anyway, something inside of me just knew that I needed to play the guitar. It was a desire that I'd had from a young age. Not so that I could get on stage or impress the girls at school with renditions of More Than Words by Extreme, which was what everyone else did, but just because I knew that God wanted me to use the guitar as an act of worship and to write songs that glorified his name. Desire is really powerful, but if it's God-given desire, not worldly desire, it can be honed and shaped into something amazing. 
Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you new desires. And we need to delight in the Lord and receive purified desires from him. Our creativity should be led by our belief that there is a creator God in heaven. We delight in him. He is the lover of our souls. And therefore, we are going to be a creator or a producer for him. Now, I'm more than aware that we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy in Satan, who, if you recall, right at the beginning of creation, began sowing the seeds of doubt, making mankind feel unworthy or not good enough, and trying to steal our worship from the God who created the universe. Satan loves nothing better than stealing our creativity. He likes to tell us that we're not good enough, that people will laugh at our offering, or that it will be rejected. Taking the first step of the creative journey is often the hardest. Being creative often means taking a risk. Being prepared to take a few knocks or disappointments and living a life of try. Believe me, when you give your first song away to a group of people or to the church, it is a really, really terrifying experience. It is really, really terrifying. And I know that there are many creative people in this church who all bring something unique and special as their worship to God. We have songwriters, we have artists, photographers, bakers, dancers, designers, poets, writers, presenters, needleworkers, creative prayers. And I just want us to honour and pray for the creatives in our church family. I think it's really important that we honor and pray for the creators in our church family. But I'm also pretty confident that there are many, many more people sitting on creative gifts that haven't been uncovered or released yet. And maybe today is the day that God is saying, now is the time. Now is the time. Adam Russell said this in the talk and it really stuck with me. Let the artists be found in the church or they will be lost in the world. Let the artists be found in the church or they will be lost in the world. How true is that? I'm just going to end by showing a clip from Brian Dirksen. Tom's interviewed Brian Dirksen a few weeks ago and he's got such a wealth of um, knowledge and uh, insight into worship and... Um, there's just a little clip from what he said around creativity that we're just going to end with, and then we're going to go into a, a time of worship and response. <laughs> 